0: 1 Timothy chapter number 2 we're going to read the first 8 verses Bible says I exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. That's always good for a preacher to say, isn't it? a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. There's three times down through this passage of Scripture that a similar phrase is used. First of all, at the end of verse number 1, where it says, All men. And then in verse number 4, where he says, Who will have all men. And then in verse number 6, it says, a ransom for all. And I don't believe we need to spend a lot of time this morning explaining and trying to define what the word all means. But if you do not understand what the word all means, if I was giving out a $100 bill to all people this morning, I'm sure you'd figure it out real quick, wouldn't you? And uh, you would simply say, that includes me. When we say all, And the definition of all has not changed. And so I want to preach for a little while this morning on this subject matter of freedom for all. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for stirring our hearts this morning. Lord, we're thankful for being able to sing and to be able to worship you. Thankful for what you're doing over in Italy and also across the line in Slovenia. I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to have your hand of blessing and protection, provision upon the Norton family. Thank you that we get to be a small part of what's taking place over there. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us this morning as we look in the Scriptures. And, Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified. And the Lord Jesus Christ exalted, If we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Two hundred and forty-six years ago, it's amazing we're four years away from two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and forty-six years ago there was a group of men that sacrificed everything for the simple belief that all men are created equal and that every one of God's creation ought to enjoy freedom. That we ought to be able to come and go, we ought to be able to uh, exercise our religion, how we see fit, according to our conscience. We ought to be able to speak freely. We ought to be able to pray freely. We ought to be able to assemble freely. And all God's people said amen right there. And if not there... We ought to be able to carry arms freely, right? Okay, anyway, we'll get back to the Bible now, okay? And uh, no, but there was a group of men that sacrificed everything, believing that every one of us, a man ought to be born free and ought to live free for the remainder of his years. And we still hold that truth to be dear and near to our hearts on a daily basis. That's why several here that have put on the uniform in years gone past, and some that are currently putting the uniform on on a regular basis, to be able to make sure that that freedom, and it does not matter where you're born here in America, it doesn't matter what your social class is, it doesn't matter what degree of learning that you have, That every legal and right citizen of the United States enjoys the exact same freedom that is available to every one of us across our nation. There's those that are assembling this morning because of a weekend like this that we can celebrate our independence. I'm thankful as a pastor that I don't have to try to get word out each and every week on what underground location that we are going to be meeting at this coming Sunday. That we can actually publicize, we can actually put it in print, and we can hand it out by the thousands to those that we come in contact with, and without shame or fear of persecution, that we can say we are meeting at 236 Sheep Davis Road here in Concord. And we have that freedom to be be able to do so. I want to take full advantage of the freedoms that God has given to us and one of the freedoms we hold dearest to us is the freedom to be able to uh, have the freedom of speech to be able to proclaim the word of God and to be able to pray publicly. I'm thankful for that the freedom to be able to assemble together. And we come over here to 1 Timothy chapter number 2 and we understand looking at this passage of Scripture and let me just clear this up. 1 Timothy chapter 2 is not speaking directly to the United States of America, okay? We understand that. We understand that the Apostle Paul who God used to be able to pen this letter that is being written to Timothy who is the pastor at the church of Ephesus and he's writing to him and exhorting him here first of all and we see these three phrases that are mentioned that I read earlier all men, all men and for all and understanding what is being mentioned here is not speaking directly about physical freedom for all but I want to take it a step further this morning as we look at freedom for all and understand that it is a spiritual freedom and a freedom from wickedness a freedom from sin and a free freedom that will not just last 246 years but it's a freedom that will be for all of eternity that the apostle paul is writing here to Timothy, the pastor at the church at Ephesus. And as we look down through these verses of Scripture, I want to share just a few things with this before we actually get into the the subject matter of the freedom. I want you to see, first of all, the declaration for prayer as we come here. And can I remind us, and there will be several parallels as we draw it throughout the morning. There will be several parallels, but we do have a nation that we are living in today that the founders of our nation understood what it was to be able to pray to Almighty God. In fact, before journeys would be taken place, before battles would be fought, before the first musket ball would be fired in a war, may I say that there were times that were spent in prayer. I was reminded yesterday as I read a statement that was made that George Washington even uh, paid homage to the importance of a Baptist preacher in the founding of America and the declaring of our independence here in this great country that we live in. We understand this matter of prayer and as we look in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, I want to encourage us but then may I also say challenge us and ask God to convict us us this morning on this declaration of prayer that is made in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says this, first of all, supplications, and may I say he's not just repeating himself as he says supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Every one of them are different manners of prayers that are being made and different aspects of prayer. Supplications is a earnest petition that is being made. Prayers are a conversation back and forth as we speak to God almighty intercession is actually going to God on behalf of someone else And we'll see that, what needs to be done in the next couple verses. And then the giving of thanks. And this giving of thanks is not just for what we're about to eat or for having beautiful weather or for the safety to be able to gather together. But these supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks, first of all, it says, "...be made for all men." Now may I remind us that as we look down through the scriptures that when the statement is made of all men it is not that God is prejudiced against women. Okay? Because God can actually define what a woman is. Okay, and uh, he actually defined it all the way back in Genesis chapter number one. Male and female created he them. He knew exactly what he was doing on that sixth day of creation. Okay, so we understand that this men that is being mentioned here is all of mankind. But then he brings it down specifically as far as this declaration of prayer. He says, "I want you to be praying for kings." Now, that would be easy enough for us today because we don't have a king that we serve here, do we? May I say that our founding fathers, that's exactly why they were declaring their independence. But I'm reminded of this. I'm reminded even our founding fathers would spend time in prayer, praying for the king that they were actually rebelling against. To be, for the founding of our nation. He says, I want you to pray for kings. And you say, well, that's easy. We don't have a king. But I believe that we do have people in this next phrase that covers all of it. It says, and for all that are in authority. Let me ask you something. Have you spent uh, as much time this week praying for those that are in authority as you have spent complaining about those that are in authority? Now, we could have an invitation right now and all of us can get on our knees and pray and ask God for repentance. We're so easy and so quick because it's come so natural to us to be able to complain about those in authority. But we're being encouraged here. Would you be praying for those in authority? We see a declaration of prayer. You said, I thought that it was uh, freedom for all as we're looking at this subject matter. It is, but there's nothing more relevant in freedom than the freedom to be able to pray. You say, well, if everything is taken away from us, I'll say this. I've been in countless dozens, hundreds of prisons around our country. And I'll say this as a visitor, as a preacher. Okay, that's why I was in. If you're visiting with us today and say, well, that pastor's been in prison dozens of times. It was to be able to preach the word of God. Okay, that's why I was in there. I found out this. There may be a lot of countries and a lot of places that have freedoms taken away but can I remind us that the ability to be able to pray can never be taken away? You say, well, they won't let me vocalize it. You don't have to say words out loud to be able to commune with Almighty God in heaven. It's amazing in Acts chapter number 16, when you get over there and Paul and Silas are in prison, the Bible says, and at midnight they prayed and sang. Now, I've, I've heard it. It's nothing strange whatsoever to be praying in prison at midnight. There's a lot of them that they'll turn their head to the wall and they're praying, saying, Dear God, please get me out of this. But I'll say it's something a little bit different to be singing in prison at midnight. But I've never seen razor wire. I've, ne- I've never seen walls so thick, razor wire so sharp that, listen, that prayers can't be offered up to God. You talk about freedom. That's one thing that can never be taken away from us. And this declaration of praying, and you say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I've prayed for President Biden. I've prayed for Vice President Harris. I prayed for President Trump and for Vice President Pence. You say, I'm wondering where you stand. I mentioned all four this morning just to get you confused a little bit. Every one of them need a good come-to-Jesus talk. Every one of them need a face-to-face encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and a good dose of the gospel of the Lord. And I'm saying, listen, we have a responsibility. We have the freedom to be able to pray today. And a declaration of prayer, he closes out these verses that we read, not just in the first couple verses, but look down in verse number 8. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Can I ask you something? When's the last time you prayed for him? We have the freedom here in America to be able to pray for them. You say, why should we do that? The Bible says back in verse number 2 that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You say, I need to pray for them that I can lead a quiet and peaceable life. I have found out this. I've prayed for elected leaders for years and it may not have changed them, but you know what it did? It sure changed me. And I thought, listen, it's not just elected leaders, but let me ask you, young people, when's the last time you prayed for your parents? Oh, they're just wicked. They're just horrible. You don't know my parents. Well, start praying for them. Well, then you'll start finding out that it may not be the parents. It may be you. And I found out a lot of times that prayer doesn't maybe change that other person, but God sure did change my heart through praying for them. There's something that God's put on my heart, especially, and I've made mention of this over the past several months, that listen, it's not to change one of those people because I know it's going to take a miracle of God. But you know what God's done through it? Boy, He sure changed me through it. Why do you think the Bible says we're supposed to pray for them that, that persecute us and despitefully use us? Why do you think the Bible says we're supposed to love our enemies? We're supposed to do good unto them. It may not change them, but it's sure going to make a difference in our lives. This declaration of prayer, we have the freedom to be able to pray and the emphasis that is placed here in this passage of Scripture, remembering for kings and for all that are in authority. And yes, I do believe it's right that we can pray to lead a quiet and peaceable life. Now, I want to move on. You'll see what a difference this makes. I want you to see, second of all, this declaration of prayer, but then second of all, the delight of the Savior. You say, well, the delight, yes, Do you understand that God is speaking in the first two verses about us praying for kings and for those that are in authority? That's what the context is. And in verse number 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Do you know that God is pleased when we're praying for other people? God is pleased. Listen, I know there is rebellion across our nation. There are laws that are in place that are anti-God. They are anti-Bible. And I'm going to remind you, I'm a Christian that holds to this Bible long before I'm an American that stands for anything. Now, I'm thankful right now that two of them can go together. But I'm going to stand with this Bible and stand for the principles of the Word of God and where our nation, as wonderful as it is, airs from the Word of God and airs from God. Listen, I'm not going that direction. I'm staying right here, but I still need to be praying for him. I believe it pleases God. It is good and acceptable when God hears His children praying for those that are in authority over them. The Bible says it's good and acceptable. I believe it delights our Savior. You say, why does that delight? Because I believe the purpose behind all of this, and I want you to see this, and here's where I want to spend a little bit of time this morning. Yes, we have this declaration of prayer, and yes, this delights our Savior, but what's the purpose of all of it? We see the Lord's desire for salvation. Do you understand why God wants us to pray for those in authority? Yes, that we may lead a good and peaceable life. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God. And the Bible says here in verse number 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You say, what's the purpose behind all of that? Can I say it was even God's desire for an Adolf Hitler to be saved? You say, well, pastor, I don't know about all that. You understand that it was God's desire for a Lenin or a Stalin to be saved? Who will have all men to be saved? Yeah, Listen, do I need to go back and try to explain and define what all means? When he says for all men to be saved, that it is the desire of God that every one of them would come to a knowledge, the Bible says right here, the knowledge of the truth that they would be able to see that the Lord Jesus Christ... Listen, when it talks about being saved, we're talking about believing that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. Come to the knowledge of the truth believing. Do you know what will change? Listen, you can name it from our senators, our representatives, to our governor, to our executive council, to our U.S. senators, our U.S. representatives, to our president, vice president, every cabinet member. It is the desire for salvation from the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, they're a good person. Well, they might do some good works. But listen, honey, that's not getting them to heaven. And that's not getting you to heaven either. I know some wonderful people, and they are morally good. We had a neighbor down in Tennessee. Listen, he'd give you the shirt off his back. He'd do everything for you. As wonderful of a man, I don't believe he'd hurt a fly. But he'd help you and help you and help you. And I asked him one day, do you know that you're saved? And he said, I'm good. He wasn't from New England, so he didn't say all set. He said, I'm good. I'm good. And I thought, good works aren't going to get you there. When the Bible starts talking about being saved, it's not talking about all these good works. It's talking about coming to the knowledge of the truth because what this world has been told, and listen, even in religious circles, what this world has been told is a lie. You say, what do you mean? Well, they've been told that your church membership is going to get you there. They've been told that your baptism is going to get you there. Been told that your good works, try to get as many as you possibly can and it'll get you there. What God is desiring is that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth that it is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we say freedom for all, listen, we're not just talking about the freedom of assembly and the freedom of speech and go ahead and name them down through there. I'm talking about spiritual freedom for all of eternity of what the Lord Jesus Christ is able to do for us. Listen, the desire for salvation. I explained these verses. I was preaching in prison yesterday afternoon up here at the women's prison. I took them over here and shared these verses with them in John chapter number 3. I love these two verses, John chapter 3 and verse number 15 says, For whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And each of those two verses, there's that phrase there that says, For whosoever... That's another way of saying, listen, there's a God in heaven that desires all men to be saved. All men to come to the knowledge of the truth, the desire of God. Now listen, we sit back and and uh, we have our desires. There's not a one of us that we couldn't sit around today and say, you know, this is what I desire for America. If I would be on the straight and narrow. I don't know about you, but my heart was grieved when you had a hundred-year-old veteran that was recorded this week, and he's sitting there weeping. He had his full uniform on and all the medals on his chest here and all his, all his badges that were there, and uh, he started weeping. He said, this is not the America that I fought for. Now listen, we can sit around and we can say, this is what I desire for America, this is what I desire for our leaders, and listen, my grocery list is probably longer than yours. But right at the top of our list, it ought to be the same desire that God has. That all men be saved. That all men be saved. Can I say the greatest message that we can take to anyone that we come in contact with is not let freedom ring, but yet that Jesus saves whosoever will come to Him. That's the greatest message that we can ever proclaim. That's what will make a difference in America. You say, what made a difference back in the 1700s? Start reading your history of New England here and start reading about a Jonathan Edwards that would stand up and thunder away while he read a piece of paper with his message down here in Connecticut. And he would just just read it and sinners in the hand of an angry God. And he'd just read it, just monotone. You say, oh, I wouldn't respond to someone just getting up there. Here's the reason I come to Granite State Baptist Church. You're so animated. (laughs) And you can just tell, and I love the passion and I love the energy that's there. Hey, listen, it's not the anime. It's not the energy. It's not the passion. It's the Word of God that's going to make a difference. And he got up and started reading. But what they did not know is that for the three days previous, he had locked himself in his bedroom and began praying. And people would walk by and they would hear the statement, God, give me New England or I die. God, give me New England. And he knew that the message that needed to be proclaimed, listen, go ask a Jonathan Edwards, ask a George Whitfield. Ask a Charles Spurgeon, ask a Finney, ask a D.L. Moody right across the line here in Massachusetts as thousands would come day after day after day and walk up that hill and just be able to hear the preacher, be able to stand up and proclaim the Word of God. I've walked in his house over there in Northfield, Massachusetts. I didn't get to go upstairs into the bedroom, but there was a balcony just outside of D.L. Moody's bedroom and the people gathered there. He was getting ready to slip out into eternity. And they were out there and just calling one more time, one more time, one more time. And D.L. Moody would get up from his deathbed and step out there onto that balcony and he would proclaim the word of God. I believe it was at that time he put a candle out there and he said, I'll preach till the candle goes out. And he preached till the candle went out. He walked in, laid down on his deathbed and passed away just a few hours later. Can I say this? It wasn't the message of we've got the greatest nation on the face of the earth, but it was a message that there's a God in heaven and He desires all men to be saved. And that all means all. And I want you to see this, verses 5 and 6. I want you to see today, we're talking about freedom for all, and I want you to see the deliverance of sinners. The deliverance of sinners. The Bible says in verse number 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And look at this, who gave himself a ransom. There's our phrase again, for all. A ransom for all, to be testified in due time. May I remind us of this? It is due time right now. And I'm testifying of a Savior that came, and the Bible uses the word ransom. You understand a ransom is only paid to be able to buy something back. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ was. Listen, He didn't come down and say, Okay, Dana Lowe, you're worth a million dollars and that's what I'll give for you. He didn't come and say, Brother Chamberlain, you're worth two million dollars. You're a little bit older and you served in the military. Might be worth more than a Dana. I don't know, you're worth two million. He didn't come down here writing checks like that for a ransom. And I say this, the closest thing we have to it today is a U.S. soldier, man or woman that would say, I'll give my life for your freedom and freedom for all. Listen, there's not soldiers, not servicemen and women going around this world right now from the United States of America that are saying, I'm only going to fight for a certain class of people. No, they, they fight for all of us. They protect all of us. And I say, when the Lord Jesus Christ came down, He didn't say, I'm just providing a ransom for everybody that can afford it. He didn't say, I'm just providing a ransom for those that were born on the right side of the tracks. I'm not providing a ransom for those of the higher class of society. He said, no. He said, I'm coming down. I'm giving myself as a ransom for all. Here's why we need It's because every one of us have this problem called sin. Because the Bible says, and whether, whether you believe it or not, the Bible says for all, there's our word again, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us have. You say, well, pastor, I haven't. Well, the, the Ten Commandments say thou shalt not bear false witness. You ever told something that's not true? Guilty. We're all guilty, aren't we? Every hand in here could go up. How many, how many of the Ten Commandments do you need to break to realize that you're a sinner? You see, we all have a sin problem. And we're all bound and in bondage to that sin for all of eternity. In fact, we're so bound to it, the Bible says in Romans, that the wages of sin, our payment for sin, our retribution for sin, are the wages of sin, guess what, is death. We are all going to die and death is separation, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why aren't you thankful for that? He didn't say, hey, if you have a certain IQ, then you can accept this. He didn't say if you're born into the right family that you can accept this. He said, no. He said, I want you to be praying for all men because I want all men to be saved. See the connection between the two? Pray for all men because God desires for all men to be saved. Let me ask you this. I'm not asking if you're a U.S. citizen today and enjoying the freedoms of America, but I will ask if you're a born-again Christian today and enjoying the freedom of Christ. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're a child of God? Or maybe you're still chained in the bondage of sin. And sin has control of your life. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And if I were to ask you, if you were to die today, would you spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ? You might be able to say, well, maybe 90%. Well, maybe 75%. Or maybe you might even say 98%. Can I say this? We know according to the Bible that we can know 100%. Not a doubt because it's the desire of God for all men to be saved. You say, why are you preaching this? Well, I'm not the Apostle Paul, but it kind of spoke to my heart when he said, whereunto I am ordained a preacher. He's an ordained preacher to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, so am I. We're going to preach it this morning. Freedom for all. You say, well, Pastor, I've, I've done too much. I, I, I don't believe God can forgive me. Well, if you're still breathing, there's still hope. As one man said in the past couple weeks, he looked back at me. He said, but pastor, I have a past. I said, guess what? We all do. We all have a past before Jesus saves us. But you know what Jesus is able to do with that past? Boy, he's able to wash it as white as snow. And he's able to wipe the slate clean and start fresh and new as a child of God. And you say, well, that's what I need. Well, then wonderful. You're in the right place tonight. But then for those of us that are saved, I know I'm a child of God. I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says about Jesus. Let me ask you this, this declaration of prayer. Have you done more complaining than you've done praying? Well, I've got the freedom to complain. You're right. But we have a mandate to pray. Well, I just don't like the direction it's going. Well, neither do I, just being honest with you. But I got a mandate to pray. I wonder if we've exercised our freedom of prayer for our nation and for all that are in authority. Or maybe you're here today and you need to be made free from sin. And I tell you, Jesus can do that for you too.